With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone online and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS, you bet you win you get paid bet us that, let's uh, talk to our good buddy chris landry from landryfootball.com here with the texas a&m scouting report good morning to you chris morning david how are you i'm good man i don't know how much you get into the bowl projections and whatnot but i'm just going to read this text and, and we can just kind of talk about it real quick Earlier in the show, we we uh, were breaking down the potential best case, worst case scenarios for A and M when it comes to the bowl, and we've had the Florida Bowls as a possibility, Citrus Bowl, um, and, and whatnot. Dave in Houston sends in need to understand how the Florida Bowls are our best case scenario. If Bama beats Georgia in the SEC title game and puts two SEC teams in the playoffs and moves everybody up in that pecking order, would a nine and three A and M team ranked twelfth or thirteenth not play in a New Year's Six game? And I guess the answer to that would kind of be dependent on what happens above them, right? What happens with Ole Miss still? Uh, what happens with some of the other teams that are up there? How do you see that shaking out in a best-case, worst-case scenario? Well, the best case, I mean, first of all, you've got Mississippi State and Ole Miss playing and going to be playing in the Egg Bowl, and that's going to be a big win for one of those teams. And you've got, obviously, um, both of them beat A&M, and that, you know, a lot of it, it's going to be, as you know, uh, as kind of the pecking order of who they choose. You, you look at travel and all that. So I think the A&M's in good shape there. But if you look at both of them, it does depend. It does depend on how both of those teams, for example, finish out um, Arkansas as well. Uh, although I think they'll lose this week, but who knows? 
Um, I think all those things factor in. It's not just uh, so I, it's really hard for me to say that, um, you know, what's the high level mark and what's the low level mark. But I think you're kind of on it. I think it's probably one of the Florida Bulls is it would be the best guess of the sweet spot of where they're likely going to be. But a lot of foot, believe it or not, two weeks left, but a lot of football left that's going to determine. And it's a lot more than about AM because I think, you know, AM takes care of their business. They still got to gotta wait and see what happens in a what I think is a logjam SEC. But the other thing is you got nobody in the East. I mean, you got you got Kentucky in the East that is going to be a bit of a an intrigue because they're a they're going to go now to a Florida game. They were really hoping to go 11 and one, go to, go to a new year six game. So yeah, it's going to get interesting. And I don't have the answer of where it's going to be at this point. Cause that, that involves a lot of uh, variables. Yeah. Kentucky, by the way, also five and three there in the, uh, the mm-hmm. conference. Let's uh, take a look at what happened this past weekend there in Oxford. I was there for that game. It was from my perspective, Chris, it was a very hard game to gauge because it started off in a, a blowout trend. A&M then was the better team in the second half for the most part until when it counted, and that's when Ole Miss turned it on. How do, how do you assess what went wrong on Saturday night? Well, first of all, I thought Ole Miss came out, and I, I thought they completely outplayed A&M. And, you know, if it wasn't for A&M's defense in, in the red zone, this game could have been 20, 24, dare I say even 27 nothing instead of 13-0. Um, the red zone defense stepped up big and kept them in the game. As we all know, um, the biggest thing was that they played as I thought they might Ole Miss, uh, put numbers in the box. You know, they had, they had the 60 B's, but they played a couple of guys down in the box at linebacker to take away the run game. The, the real key to this game and where I thought A&M could run the football is I thought they would really do a good job of putting a hat on a hat and getting some movement. Ole Miss outquicked them. Ole Miss did a really good job of being quicker up front and attacking the gaps. It wasn't like, you know, the defense just overpowered AM, quite the opposite. They outquicked them. They shot gaps. And so the running game never got going because they were penetrating gaps before the, the run creases could be created. If AM can't run the football, they're not going to be a very efficient offense issue. Okay. This is not a team that can throw it when they have to throw it. They have to take advantage of using the running game to build into the pass game, meaning you've got to play overplay the run. And, and that gives them some opportunities. I thought that there were some opportunities in the past game on the underneath routes that a didn't do a very good job. They either in some cases didn't recognize it quick enough, with their, with their corners dropping off, they were, again, a, a, a drop or two. And then, then there was just some a, a couple of misrun routes and the coverage recognition uh, miscues. Look, you, you've got to have some success in the passing game. You've got to be balanced enough. And this team's not really balanced. You know, outside of, you know, the Alabama game, which, again, I think people tend to take a one-game snapshot and say, there. They figured it all out. That's the way it's going to be. Well, it's not the way it is. One game doesn't make a season. It doesn't carry over. It's maybe a sign that things might be getting better, but you don't know. And, and I think in just in terms of, you know, one of the things that they did well in that game is they dictated the flow with their run, and they never could do it 
Second half, they did a really good job. I thought Ole Miss, with a little bit of a lead, backed off a little bit defensively and played a little bit more coverage. Like they didn't want to get give up a, a, a deep ball. So I thought it created some run creases for AM. And that's when you start to see the offense start to have some success. Um, you know, some outside zones, the, the outside zone was working a little bit more because they were concentrated. Ole Miss was concentrated on getting through the A and B gaps very aggressively. So that's why the inside run just never had any level of consistency. It only was when they were able to trap a guy and get a guy loose, but the outside zone had some success. And then they worked the middle of the field a little bit had a couple of plays in the passing game, but, but not enough. And look, it, you know, I kept looking at it saying, and watching it, man, this defense of AM, I mean, you can't ask for anything more. They gave up a ton of yards. There's no question. Now, they did play the giving up yards is a lot of too deep coverage, a lot of split safety looks. Ole Miss was able to move the football. I, you have to give up something, which you don't want to give up if you're AM. Uh, if your team like AM is, you don't want to give up the big chunk play. You know, and you want to rely on the fact that, look, they're going to make yards, but we have to rally, break on the ball, tackle well. And they just, as I said, came up big in the red zone. So they held them to 13, 13, nothing. I mean, you kidding me? Like I said, it felt like 24, nothing. And it was like, you know, okay, 13, nothing is not insurmountable. 24, 27, nothing is with this offense. So I, I thought they did a lot of good things to give themselves a chance the whole yards giving up a bunch of yards wasn't that big of an issue in if you understand what they were trying to do I'm not saying they were they were happy they were giving up yards but it was in lieu of giving up the big quick score which could have really been devastating because in the the short field in the red zone you don't have to worry about the big play as much so you can be a little bit more aggressive so the underneath stuff doesn't work as much because you've got a compressed field so I thought they had a good game plan defensively overall to execute what they needed to do and gave their offense a chance. I think they did a, did a really poor job. I, don't, I didn't think it was a, a – I thought Jimbo was a little bit behind in trying to and, – and the whole understanding, the whole protection schemes and what could work and what, was, what they were doing. I mean, I think he rec it must have recognized what they were doing, but I don't think they did a really good job of – play sequences that could have maybe given them a little bit of a chance. Look at, at times it looked like it was really close, right? But yet you against an Auburn, you're going to have a chance to win a game like that. Cause they're not an explosive offense. You play it close. It's a, you know, 17, 20 points going to win it type of game. You make a play on defense, you know, boom, you can win it. But against an Ole Miss type of team, and I would say like in a bowl game, whoever they match up against, if you've got a team that's got a really good offense, you know, you're going to have to find a way to be balanced enough. So it's going to be interesting to see the rest of the way. But that's that's how I saw it. That's the issue. And, you know, that's something that they've got to work on this year and beyond. And, and some of the things are there are a lot of pieces to to unravel to kind of say, well, what needs to be done? But everything from protection, recognition, you know, play sequencing, uh, how to attack with the running game versus a very quick team up front. And obviously quarterback development is going to have to be a big part of it. 
Chris, one of the things that I found interesting is, yes, I think the defense obviously played very well in the red zone and limiting um, to that first half 15-0, but the big runs that Ole Miss was able to carve up, and it seemed like their backs would get lost and then bust out, and then there wasn't really good tackling at times to allow for six, seven extra yards. Yes, and a lot of it was certainly not designing the missed tackles, but you had less numbers in there in run defense. So you're, they do a really good job of kind of picking off defensive linemen and kind of working away, work the flow one way. And they do, they did a really good job of that. And and I think that was again, you know, the design was to not allow the big play. So you had safeties that. Or they were reading the safeties deep, so they they attacked with the running game. Now the answer is you got to play better at the second level, but you you normally what you would do is be a little bit more aggressive with having guys on the second level to help with the with the run. But the theory being, you know, not to give off that many uh, explosive runs. You don't want that. Uh, but they they were really good at, again on a short field handling that. So. It was a byproduct of not enough, not enough numbers uh, in, in those situations that you're referring to, not enough numbers and really poor angles. Those are the two things that, that were, were really key. So well, it wasn't a great defensive performance in terms of shutting out yards or shutting out plays, but it was a defense that's kind of built around uh, giving up explosive plays. And it's kind of like, you know, working with Belichick, you know, for example, a lot of what he does, he, and I, and I think a lot of defenses today, when when people talk about defenses, they're not concerned about yards as much as they're concerned about being able to get off the field on third down and in the red zone. And you don't want to lose the time of possession battle where you get worn down. But certainly the the missed tackles were definitely a valid point. But those that's what I saw as the why methodology on a week where you're taking on an inferior opponent you still got LSU looming what what do you think typically a team does in this situation when it comes to how they attack their game plan the uh the the type of plays we're going to see from some of the stars how does that typically work itself out well here's what I always did on those situations I call it play through an opponent a play through an opponent and what that simply means is first of all there's a lot off of this game for AM to work on themselves. Okay, get better at don't waste a week of practice, don't waste a game against an inferior opponent and, and miss a chance to get better. Okay. Don't look at it as well they won or lo- you got to get better in there, improve in some of those key areas, some of which we've talked about. But one of the things you can do is implement some of the LSU stuff without introducing it as LSU stuff. So a coverage, a front, um, a formation that you have to go against defensively that, that it may not be as much as what, you know, purview will do, but it will be some things that way you get a little extra week of practice. You don't want to come in with the attitude of, Hey, look, we don't give a bleep about this team. So we're going to put in the game plan this week against LSU one it really sends a message internally that we don't have to work as hard. And then you get sloppy and you develop bad habits. And all of a sudden you got a sloppy win that you didn't get much out of Two, you get stale, believe it or not. If you start practicing against an opponent and you go two weeks, it's better to kind of work against things 
to kind of get a feel for getting better against this luck. And, and I, as I like to say, work on yourself. You're struggling against, you know, with this protection, work on it a little bit more in practice. Uh, you're struggling, you know, against this look. That's what I try to do in an opponent like this. Don't waste an opportunity. Uh, you can play some young guys. Everybody focuses on that. Yeah, that's great. But challenge your guys to say, you, you want to get a little time off? Starters, you dominate the first quarter. You dominate into the second quarter. And then you get some time off. Otherwise, your ring's going to be on the field and you're going you're gonna to be, we're going to have to get you better in the second half. And we don't want to do that. We want to get other guys a look. We want to give you a rest. Chris, last thing for you. Got about a minute left. Just uh, compare LSU to somebody A&M has played this year because I see a team that has played teams real tight, has still a lot of talent, but they haven't been winning games. Playing at Death Valley, always tough. Maybe a chance for a, a bowl game for them. Who does LSU remind you of in regards to who A&M has played? Not like anybody that they've played. It's completely different. The offense is not very good, so A&M will be in good shape in that. Mm. They'll, defensively, they'll be able to control this game. We'll talk about it next week, uh, but but just a quick look. They'll be able to control, should be able to control LSU's offense. That's not very good. Now, the defense is playing pretty well. They're playing a lot of young guys, and they are very talented. So it'll be a challenge. Um, so I, the, the one thing I would say is, you know, uh, aggressive, athletic, um, a little bit bigger, but athletic, maybe a little bit like Ole Miss's defense but nowhere near the type of offense. So it could be one of the – a cross between an Ole Miss and an Auburn in that they're not like either one. LSU's not like either one. But in terms of what A&M has to do, that's stylistically what they're going to be facing. Can control the game defensively and probably get enough field position for the offense to have success. LSU will play hard, but, you know, they're – you know, they're, they, they are playing hard. Give them a lot of credit. It's the last game for Ed Orgeron. Uh, and you're right. It may mean a bowl game. I don't even know how many of those players really want to go in a bowl game. So I don't know that's that's going to be a, a, as big a motivation as, as people might think. Appreciate you, Chris. Thanks, man. Thank, thank you. Take care. All right, Chris Landry there, the Texas A&M Scouting Report here on Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus